0: welcome to the helping families be happy podcast where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships i'm your host for this podcast christopher robbins the co-founder of the most publishing husband father of nine author fly fisherman backpacker and aspirational musician based in the central valley of california we hope to bring you nourishing real life information about love family relationships and life and we are thrilled to introduce today's guest, Denise Merrick. Now, Denise, nice. <laughs> Denise is internationally known as the worry management expert and the creator of the CALM, C-A-L-M methodology for worry-free living. As a lecturer, consultant, and writer, Denise empowers individuals and organizations around the globe to reconnect with their inner peace, overcome their fears, and take the risks that are essential for personal and professional success. Denise is the author of several books, including Calm, a proven four-step process designed specifically for women who worry. That was published by Hay House in 2006, and the upcoming Calm for Moms, which will be released by Familias in November of this year, 2022. She also teaches Calm Online, an online training program that provides strategies to let go of worry, reduce stress, and create a happier life. Denise has been awarded the Toastmasters International Accredited Speaker Award for Professionalism and Outstanding Achievement in Public Speaking, and was the first woman in Ontario to ever receive this honor. She lives in Ontario, Canada. She is the mother of two beautiful daughters and the grandmother of three boys, if I understand correctly. So, Denise, welcome. We are so grateful that you join us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Anytime I can help some parents out there to learn how to manage their worries is a good day.
0: <laughs> well, you're familiar with Familius' 10 Habits of Happy Families, and today we're talking about how to help mothers be more calm using this four-step process that you have. And, and this information aligns with the Familius' Habits, talk together, learn together, and love together. And for our audience, you can learn more about the Familius' 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familias.com. Now, so I'm at a disadvantage. I'm not a mother. So I know nothing about being a mother. Everything is is from a, a, you know a different point of view, and that I've just watched my wife of 32 years raise nine children. And I think I'm more of a warrior than she is, but yeah, I, I have seen her stress and have some anxiety. So let's just begin. So you know, it, why is it it seems such a, such a kind of a simple question but why is it so important that we we help moms and mothers to stop worrying so much
1: yeah well when I was first pregnant with my first daughter my mom said to me Denise you'll never have a worry-free day the rest of your life <laughs> gee thanks mom but uh I, I find that for parents they think when they're pregnant, as long as I know my baby's healthy, then I'll stop worrying. And then once the baby's born, they realize they're still worried. Now they're worried about their development. And then they worry about schoolwork. And then the worries keep growing. Now, here's why it's so important. When we're worried, we're thinking about things that could go wrong in the future. So when you learn how to stop worrying, it's going to allow your parenting experience to be more present, happier, and less Stress. So imagine, just imagine being able to enjoy the experience a little bit more because you're a lot less stressed and a lot less worried. And there's a really good second reason, too, and that is you can actually end up breaking the worry cycle in your family. So what I mean by that, there's a there's a really great quote by LR Nost, and she said, When little people are overwhelmed with big emotions. It's our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. And the challenge with that is we can only share what we ourselves possess, what we ourselves understand and have the tools for. So once you have the tools to stop worrying, then you can share that calm with your child or with your children. And then when they grow up, they're going to learn to worry less, and then they'll pass it down throughout the generation. So it really is a generational blessing to learn how to stop worrying as a mom.
0: That's well, interesting. And you've created a simple four-step process to help us. And you know, I could apply it to my own life. It's not just for moms in terms of this process, but that's the focus for today. So, it, so it's called CALM, and it's an acronym, right? Help us understand what it means.
1: Yeah, so I love the fact that it's just a simple four-step acronym. So the next time you're worrying, you can remind yourself to calm and follow each of the four steps. Because, of course, as we know, an acronym means that each step starts with a letter in the word calm. So I'll just go through a quick recap of what that is, and then we can sort of dive deeper into, into that calm process. So if you're looking at the word calm, the C stands for challenge your assumptions. Because most of the time when we're worrying, we're assuming that something we don't want to happen might happen. The A of the calm process stands for act to control the controllable. So the reality is not all worried bad. Sometimes it's saying, hey, pay attention here. There are some steps that you need to take to protect yourself, to protect your family, to protect your, your wealth, and that sort of thing. And the L stands for let go of the uncontrollable, because certainly... We can spend our time worrying about things that we can do absolutely nothing about. So how do we get a handle on that? And then the M is master your mind. And that's where you learn to guard against negative thinking. So that's the calm process in a nutshell. Well,
0: no, that seems pretty simple. I mean, obviously, the first one is is really about just perhaps correcting our framework, the context of what's really happening around us, something that we all need to do. So how? Well, it, it's easy to say calm. It's perhaps it's a little harder to remember what each of those letters stands for, but how can we? How can you help us best apply it in our lives?
1: Well, first, let's take a look at challenging your assumptions. I mean, I I really got a good grasp on challenging my assumptions when my kids were were little. I remember this one time, my daughter Lindsay and I and Brianna and my husband we went to Disney for a family vacation, and we were in Florida. And when we arrived in Orlando's approximately 11 o'clock in the morning and we got to the hotel and they said oh your room won't be ready or available until four o'clock this afternoon so instead of just waiting around the hotel lobby waiting for the room to be ready I turned to my daughter who was 12 at the time and I said Lindsay do you want to spend the afternoon at the Magic Kingdom she said no I don't want to go today because I have a book well I could not believe what I just heard I was so happy to have a daughter that would rather read than go to Disney (laughs) I thought oh, this is about my parenting skills. I am such a great mother. And I turned to my husband and I said, did you hear what Lindsay said? She said, I don't want to go to the Magic Kingdom today because I have a book to read. And then Lindsay stopped me and she said, mom, I didn't say I have a book to read. I just said, I have a book. I don't want to carry this thing around with me all afternoon. (laughs) And so I got some perspective there. So then I realized how easy it is. Even when you're aware of challenging your assumptions, we make them so fast. And the reason we make our assumptions, and we all do it, but because it helps us to put things into perspective, it helps us to put the missing pieces of a puzzle together. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with making assumptions. However, the trouble is, when you make negative assumptions, that's when you can start to worry. So when you start all of those what if questions, like, what if my child is sick? Or what if my child isn't doing well in school? Or what if? My child makes bad choices or what if I try and don't succeed? And then anytime you answer those scary what if questions, an enormous amount of worry can can set in. So that's where you do learn to challenge negative assumptions so that you can put your mind at ease.
0: So are there techniques that you teach that will help us do that?
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about the first one that I would even mentioned in terms of all of those what if questions. What What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And then we start to snowball in our minds. So in that exact moment, challenge your assumptions and do these three steps. First, ask yourself, what is? So change that F to an S and ask what is? Because like I said earlier, most of the time when we're worrying, we're putting ourselves in the future, all of the things that could go wrong. But in the present, everything's okay. So in the present, remind yourself that all is well right now. I'm safe. If you weren't safe, you would have already been into action. That's just the way our bodies work. If you were actually in danger, your body sets you into motion. Your brain will just jump and take you into action. But when you're just imagining, remind yourself, I'm safe right now. And then the second step is to ask yourself, will it matter a year from now? Most of the things we spend our time worrying about are really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. So you worry somebody looked at you funny. Somebody told you that you're not your parenting skills are wrong because you shouldn't dress your child in a sweater at this time of year, these kinds of things. So ask yourself, okay, will that opinion or will this mistake I made matter in a year from now? And that just helps you get some perspective. And then the third step is to say, is to affirm to yourself, I'll handle it. So if you say, if if it happens and it will matter 12 months from now, maybe it's a big thing. Maybe you're worried about losing your job. And then that's, that what if question is causing you distress. say, I'll handle it. Think about all of the things you've been able to handle in your life so far. You have handled every single thing that life has thrown your way and probably a lot better than you imagine you would be able to handle it. I'm not saying maybe there weren't tears, maybe there weren't things that you learned along the way, but you have handled everything and it's brought you to this point and you will be able to get through whatever else comes
0: your way. Well, that is good to know. We have handled everything that's come our way so far. Maybe not as well as we hope to, but definitely not as bad as we could have. We're right. We're, we're working it. Okay, a lot of what you say, it seems like it's it's about being in the present, being mindful. I mean, you're you're asking us to slow down, consciously slow our brain down and think. I've been learning a lot about psychology and how there's a metaphor of the rider and the elephant the elephant is our is you know all our appetites our passions our emotions and the the rider is you know that we're supposed to be training we're, we're our conscious mind we're able to think rationally and the goal is to have the rider be able to train the elephant to where the elephant should go properly but if that elephant gets ahead that elephant is too big and too strong to be controlled so for you know, things can happen. You know, it, it 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 can be absolute chaos in the house, or things going on. So, how can you help us be able to calm our minds to be able to do the techniques that you would like you are advocating that we do?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because learning how to stop worrying isn't just about thinking. That's one aspect. Because a lot of worry is when you're thinking. But there is something very important to do, and that's the next step that we talked about. The A Take action to control the things that you can control, and one of the things you can control is self care strategies. So, how do you calm your mind? Like you're saying, when life happens, how do you find the calm in the storm, so to speak? I had I talked about something called the the doable dozen for Mama Bear, <laughs> for Mama Bear self care, and it's called the doable dozen because these are things that you can actually do. So, one of the things that can help calm you down. So, let's say you're in a a situation. Everything's going chaotic. Like you said, the elephant is now charging away and you're the rider trying to get control out of everything. Ask yourself, what can I do that will bring me peace right now? For me personally, one of the things that I know that I need to do is declutter. When my environment, and this is true for a lot of people, when your environment is messy or when your environment is unorganized, your brain sometimes can feel unorganized too. In that regard, it, it might just take I'm going to take five or 10 minutes right now to clear off the top of the kitchen table. I'm just going to organize. I'm not talking about you have to have your whole house organized in a lot of cases. When you have children at home, that's not a reality, keeping it tip top shape without causing a lot of inner turmoil in yourself, but you can just declutter one area in that moment. And what that'll also help you to do is not help you to calm your mind because it's organized now, but it will also make you to feel that sense, progress. To be like, oh, I'm getting somewhere. It's just one of those tricks to help calm you down.
0: That's great. Now, you, you sent me a letter and you said a couple of things. Tame your tongue and catch and correct throwaway words. Help us understand what that means.
1: All right. Okay. So that's jumping to the M of the calm process, master your mind. And so catching and correcting throwaway words. We'll talk about that first. I'll start with a story. That's the easiest way to do it. I remember one time when I was driving with my daughter in the car and I was so tired. I just picked them up from school. It was a miserable rainy Tuesday. And I was I was just overwhelmed and exhausted. So much so that I, as I was driving home, I was on autopilot, kind of forgetting that the kids were in the back seat. And just right out loud, I just said, oh, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. I just started speaking at these things. And then this little voice in the back seat said, No, you're not mom. You're energized and refreshed. (laughs) And then it woke me up and I realized what I was doing. I was just speaking out those throwaway words. And throwaway words are those things that you say habitually that are not necessarily positive and that you don't necessarily mean. I wasn't really like what I was speaking out loud. It wasn't that bad. It was just a dreary Tuesday and I was tired. And so I said, to, I said to Lindsay, you know what? You're right. I am feeling much more energized and refreshed already. So we need to be on the lookout for those things that we say automatically, like, oh, I can't do it. Or this isn't going right. Or, oh, brother, not this again. And reframing it. Because as we speak these words out loud, our minds will believe more the, the things that we hear ourselves say than the things we hear anyone else say. So we really need to pay attention to the words that we're speaking out. Especially, I I like to say, be careful. The littles are listening. (laughs) They're hearing everything. And then you're training them how to speak to themselves too. So it's a good idea to catch and correct those words. And one of the ways you can do that is to play a game with your family. You can create something called an I can't say can't jar. So what that is, is you can take just any old jar. You can just clean out a jam jar, any, any jar that you have around the house. And make it a game with your kids. Say, you know what? Lately, I've just been walking around the house saying, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Say, no, help me help me to change that. So like, you catch me when I say that. We'll say that it's something that's more truthful because it's also not about unvalidating your feelings. Sometimes you have to acknowledge that you are exhausted and there is a time and place to talk with, you know, maybe your spouse or a partner or a friend and being honest and truthful about how you're really feeling. So I'm not talking about not validating your feelings. I'm just talking about being careful that, that becomes a habit. And yeah. so get say, okay, so in this jar, what we'll do is when you catch me, we're going to put in and then decide on, a, on a, an amount that you can afford. Maybe it's a dime. Maybe it's a quarter. Maybe it's a dollar. And then when you start to save up enough money, celebrate. Figure out a way that you're going to celebrate. Maybe it's going over ice cream. Maybe it's going to buy some chalk or some crayon where you can create some art together. And it is worth celebrating. Yes, it is a celebration. You are learning to change the things that you say within yourself and when you change the things you say within yourself, your outer world will change too.
0: Interesting. You know, I I, have a habit when I come into difficult challenges that I I'll keep uh, saying the refrain I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do and, and my son uh, Cameron said to me, well, what would you do if you did know dad? That's
1: <laughs> brilliant.
0: Oh, oh, let me think about that one. <laughs>
1: You know what? I love that you just said that because that could be an add-on to the throwaway jar. So if you're always saying, I'm tired, you could ha- have your child say, well, what would you do if you were feeling energized and refreshed, mom? <laughs>
0: That's right. So I've... rather
1: than telling you how to feel, you're asking them, what would you do instead? Because then it gets your brain operating, you know what I would do if I was feeling that way. And that is kind of fun. I love that he said that. <laughs> he
0: very clever. Let's see, <laughs> calm. So we've covered, we've covered C. So is there a letter that we haven't covered yet? Yes, we missed the L, the let go of the uncontrollable. Okay. So I
1: have a, a cup of water here. And for people who are just listening to the podcast, I'll explain what I'm doing. I'm holding a glass of water. We often lift a glass of water. And if I didn't have any injuries, like I don't have injuries today, it's if this is easy to do, if I had maybe a broken finger or a sprained wrist or a broken arm, that could be painful. But for the most part, today is, is not painful. <laughs> but if I took the same glass of water And didn't just have a sit and put it back down, but I decided I was going to extend my arm and hold the glass of water out. It's still fine. You know, I left a bit of weight. This is okay. But if I tried to hold this out, say I was in some sort of reality TV show, and I'm trying to hold this glass of water out for hours, well, of course, my arm's going to get sore. It's going to become very painful. And the longer I hold it, the more of a burden it's going to become on my body. And worry can be a lot like that too. The longer we hold on to them and carry them around, the heavier and harder they are to bear. So it's really important to let go of the things that you can't control. So let's talk about that. What are some things we can't control? We can't control the weather. We can't control other people as much as we might want to try. <laughs> Ask any mother who, who child ever had a temper tantrum. In a, in a shopping mall, we cannot control other people. But what we can learn is to control our own responses to the things that are happening. So, for instance, we can't control other people. Let's say that somebody has just criticized your parenting skills. They're saying, you're doing that wrong. I can't believe that you're doing this with your child. And then you take it in. So for instance, maybe they said, oh, you're not supposed to talk that way in front of your child. And You take that in and then you start to feel guilty. Maybe you realize that even as we were having this podcast, you think, oh no, all the time I say I'm tired. All the time I say I don't know what to do. And then you feel guilty. No, 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 no. Guilt is not productive. What you want to do instead is to let go of that guilt. How? Ask yourself, am I doing the best I can? All you can do is your best. My dad used to say, do your best and forget the rest. He actually used to say, do your best and the rest. <laughs> it's really important to like recognize, you know what? I've done my best and my best is enough. And the second thing to ask yourself is, is what I'm doing appropriate in this situation? I remember when my daughter was going back to school in, in Ontario, Canada, it's that time of year where everybody's just starting to go back to school. Last week was the first weekend. And I remember when I was getting her to pack her, I said, can you go pack your backpack, please? And put Remember to put your dance clothes in there because you have dance class right after school. Well, she said, why do I always have to pack my own bag? All the other kids' moms always pack their kids' bag. Ha, guilt. I started to think, oh, if I was a better mom, I would pack my kids' bag. But I caught it really quickly. The guilt set in I thought, wait a minute. Is what I'm doing appropriate? Course, it's appropriate. I'm teaching her to contribute to the family. I'm teaching her how to take responsibility for things that are age appropriate. So ask yourself that question Am I doing the best I can? Second question Is what I'm doing appropriate in this situation? And if you ask those two questions and you say, Yes, I am doing the best and it is appropriate, there's no need for guilt. But should you feel guilty if you're not doing your best or what you're doing isn't appropriate? No. Guilt is not productive. You don't need to feel guilty. Instead, ask yourself, "What could I learn from this and do differently? What could I learn from this experience and do differently next time?" Because anytime you turn something like that into a learning experience, you grow and you turn it into a positive.
0: Yes, we don't want any mother or any parent in any way to feel shame or guilt. Absolutely, I, I have nine children, and I can tell you that they've all come pre-packaged, and they and we've done our best. At, Teach them and train them, and they all make their own decisions. And some of them are great decisions, and you applaud. And sometimes they make decisions that are really bad. What we're trying to do as parents is help them avoid catastrophic decisions, right? Yes. So, and it, and we should, we should, we should celebrate when they make decisions that might not be the ones that we would have made, provided they're not really harmful, because all they're doing is learning. And they're learning what works and what doesn't work. And as, as Denise says, you know, if we, if we follow calm, well, we can, we can be a good example of how to manage our life and the intense and sometimes long duration challenges that we have using that metaphor of the cup of water well, this has been very helpful. I think that I'm going to be a little bit better at trying to be calm and, uh, particularly being mindful and letting go of those things that I, I don't have any control over taking action and you know, challenge those preconceived assumptions of, of that framework I've got going on. So is there, leave us with one more thing is it, if there's something you wanted us to know today that you haven't shared, what would it be?
1: You know, all I, all I can say is when you're feeling worried, it really is taking away some of your, enjoyment. Again, like I said, from that parenting experience, I know I lived through it. That's why I created the calm process. When my kids were really little, I put them into, I put them into a private school and it wasn't because I thought the school was better. I just thought it was a locked down school. There was less likelihood of them being, them being kidnapped from a public school. So it was just like sort of a rational thinking. And If I had known then what I know now, if I'd known the calm process 20 years ago, it would have been so much better for my family life back then, as well as our our pocketbook because the the private schools were expensive. So do what you can to learn how to stop worrying now. And if you feel like you can't do it for you, then do it for your kids because they'll learn so much from you.
0: That's wonderful. Now, thank you. So uh, Denise's book, Calm for Moms, Comes out in November of 2022, and if you want more information on the Calm Online Training Program, to inquire about speaking engagements or to sign up for Denise's blog, visit www.denisemarek.com. Www.denisemarek, Follow on Instagram at the Denise Merrick and at Calm for Moms book. Follow on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Denise Merrick. And subscribe on YouTube at wwwyoutubecom user slash Denise, as always, it's wonderful to have you, and we're so grateful to have you as part of the Familias family, adding to our mission to help families be happy. It's been great to have you on. Thank you. I look forward to next time. Well, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled. If you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from nice One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place.